Welcome to the Habits and Hustle Podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. All right. Okay, so we Habits and Hustle is back doing in person. You're my first well, my I first so guest, you are, you should be honored. You're I my, am honored. We have uh, Dr. Michael Bruce. He is otherwise AKA known as the sleep doctor. Thank you. Who uh, comes with always a plethora of amazing <laughs> information on how we could have better night's sleeps and, and how sleep really affects everything about us. Um, and like I said, we're, we're live. We're not, this is, I'm like, it's kind of awkward already because I feel like this is, I'm not used to it. I'm so used to looking at someone on Zoom right, right. that this kind of is, a, a pl- it's a very pleasant yeah, feeling. It's, nice. it's like, yeah, yeah, it Absolutely. is nice. So thank you for being on Habits and Hustle and thank you for being my first in-person guest again. It is absolutely my pleasure to be here. You know I love being on Habits and Hustle. I've been on it once before and you are my hustle queen. So I am (laughs) absolutely down for being here and having some fun. Well, thank you. First of all, that episode, that the first episode you did, you're one of my first episodes ever. There you go. And it did so well. People really, people are really fascinating, fascinated with sleep. Yeah. And it's one of those weird things, though. It's like it's kind of a mystery to everybody. You know, yeah. people always like like, you know, if I go to a cocktail party and, and they find out I'm a sleep specialist, my wife like rolls her eyes and walks to the bar, <laughs> you know, because she's like, this is going to be forever th- with the questions. Right. And it's just like question, question, question. But I think that's because so many people have never talked to somebody about sleep that really knows a lot about sleep. I mean, let's be fair. If you went to see a sleep doctor. It's probably because you had a possible diagnosis like apnea or narcolepsy or something like that. But for people who have like the everyday questions right. or people who want to train and learn how to sleep better, to train better or sleep better, to live better, there really aren't a whole lot of places to go to learn about that stuff. So that's why I'm stoked to be on Habits and Hustle because we can teach people that information right here. Oh, wow. Like, gosh, you're so great. You're so great at those sound bites. Awesome. <laughs> that's what I love about you. So let me say this. So. I also feel that over the last few years, people are more obsessed with it. High performers, like yeah. people who are always trying to hack, you know, biohack or health hack. Mm-hmm. And now, especially with the pandemic happening, right. we are people are so much more stressed out than they've ever been. And so sleep yeah. is really more of an issue. And to be fair, like just to unpack that for a second, you're 100 percent correct. Yeah, I've got I feel very purposeful. Yeah. Right now, because so many people are so desperate for good sleep. And and let's be fair. This is arguably one of the most stressful times any of us have ever been through. I mean, I don't know about any of you guys, but like it's a different kind of stress. Like I'm not just worried about, you know, traffic in L.A. or giving a big presentation. I'm worried about like the health of my family. Right. You know, like that's a whole different kind of stress. And even if you're not actively thinking about it as you're falling asleep, it still weighs heavy on your brain. Absolutely. You know, the number one complaint that I hear in my office is I can't turn off my brain at night. And I got to tell you something. I think that's quadrupled since COVID. Yeah. Right. And, and people are saying things to me like, you know, I'm concerned about my health. I'm con- And then also, by the way, I'm stuck at home. Now, to be fair, it's not like I don't love the people that are in my house, but 
I don't think anybody was really planning on spending no. this much time in one environment. Even if it's with people that you love, it can still be quite stressful. And so I've got some ideas and some thoughts that I'd love to share with your audience about specifically sleeping better during a pandemic and COVID, but also some generalized recommendations for the performers out there, for the yeah. people who really want to like, I want to sleep well to train well. I've got some good information there as well. But I thought we'd, if it's okay with you, start with a little bit with COVID, mm -hmm. give some people some basic ideas, and then we start to move into all that exercise stuff. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and we can and you can obviously touch upon how, how beneficial sleep is for your immune health, oh. especially with COVID. So yeah, please. Yeah. You know, take the take the take the mic. Go. <laughs> Absolutely. So we know that sleep directly affects immune function, right? So for people who may or may not remember, go back to high school biology. Right. Right. There were these things that you learned about called killer T cells. These are specific white blood cells that actually help us fight infection and virus, right? Kind of something we would want to have a lot of right now. Yeah. Well, here's what's interesting is sleep directly affects the production of these killer T cells. In fact, during stages three and four, which is our physically restorative sleep, our beauty sleep, if you will, the sleep that makes us feel energetic and wake up in the morning, that's what actually helps produce these killer T cells. Well, unfortunately, if we're having a hard time falling asleep and staying asleep, we might not be getting those sleep stages, which then of course lowers the effectiveness and the number of T cells, so we, it's difficult to fight right. infection. There's another really interesting piece that not many people are talking about, but I want your audience to be well aware of. Great study that was done in San Francisco, University of San Francisco, where they discovered that the effectiveness of the flu shot was directly related to how much sleep the person got the night before they got the shot. Oh, I didn't know that. Right, so here's wow. what's fascinating. So they took people who were well slept, gave them the flu shot, and then exposed them to the flu. Then they took people who were not well slept, gave them the flu shot, and exposed them to the flu. People who weren't sleeping well, I think it was like an eight or nine times rate of getting the flu. So when and if we do come up with some type of a inoculation, something that people can take to avoid this, mm -hmm. you damn well better have slept well before you take it or it's not going to be effective. Oh my gosh, that's a, that's a great piece of, right? uh, yeah, I uh, that, that I've never even, I ne would, and nobody, nobody ever, ever thinks about nobody it. Nobody would ever think about that. Exactly. So immune function is directly tied with sleep. So, okay, Michael, we get it. Sleep is important. Okay, well, how do we do it, right? I mean, it's crazy out there. I mean, I'm thinking about this. I'm stressed. What do I do? Yeah. So I've come up with a five-step plan, and then I've added five more steps specific to COVID that I figure we can share that are easy to do. Everybody can do them at home. It's not going to cost you a dime, and you're going to be able to figure out how to sleep better. All right. Yes. So step number one is to wake up at the same time every single day, including the weekends. Now, I know that sucks. Okay, I get it. Right. However, what happens is, is there's two specific systems in your brain. One is called for sleep drive, the other is your sleep rhythm. That rhythm is called your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. The closer you get to doing something very similar every single day, the more your body knows how to function, mm -hmm. right? So if my body knows when to wake up, then it knows when to be active, and then it knows when to sleep because it's consistent. Mm -hmm. But if your body said, well, I went to bed at 11 o'clock during the week, and now I'm going to bed at two o'clock in the morning on the weekends, and both, by the way, I'm waking up at noon as opposed to my normal 6.30, your body doesn't know what right. to do. Keep one wake up time. That's the anchor for the whole program. Notice I didn't say bedtime. I right. said wake up time. If you want to stay up till two o'clock in the morning, you go for it. But I guarantee you, when I tell you to get up at 6.30, you better get your butt out of bed at 6.30. Wow. Well, you know what I find though anyway, because you're so used to doing that, I, I automatically and wake up. That's the perfect time. That's exactly what we want time. people to do is we want people to wake up, to be able to be up and their body to get into that motion. 
Step number two has to do with caffeine. So arguably the largest yeah. offender of sleep is caffeine. And right. you know, we're talking about what's going on here during the pandemic. We have seen a dramatic increase in caffeine consumption, dramatic. Why would that be? I'll tell you why. My theory is what used to be when we'd have a cup of coffee, right? We'd go and we'd, there'd be a break room and we'd, you know, socialize a yes. little with anybody, you know, and then you come back to your desk, do your thing or, or what have you. Now you go from Zoom call to Zoom call to Zoom call. You want some break to stand up. You look at your coffee cup and you're like, ah, oh, it's half full. I might as well go get, might as well warm it up. Right. Before you know it, you're drinking a pot of coffee. Right. Most people drink one cup, maybe two. Now people are, they make a pot in the morning and before they know it, it's gone. Why? Because they feel exhausted during the day because they're not moving. Right, they become more sedentary unless you exactly. plan to move, unless you have like some kind of structure in your day because like you said, otherwise you could be sitting there on Zooms for like seven hours at like all day without exactly. even like moving your butt for a minute. Right, and so there's a recommendation in there. So number one, don't set all your Zoom calls on the hour. Yeah. Set them on five minutes past and stop them on the hour and take that five minutes and go outside, mm -hmm. get some sunlight, get some fresh air, do some jumping jacks, do some push-ups, move your body. Mm -hmm. It will help with sleep later on. But yeah. back to caffeine, caffeine is one of those things that really messes people's sleep up. And so I ask people, step number two is to stop caffeine by 2 p.m., right? Why 2 p.m.? So it turns out caffeine is a half-life of between six and eight hours. Right? And so if you stop at two, most people go to bed around 10, yeah. I get about half of it out of your system around 10, you'll be able to fall asleep a little bit easier. Now I guarantee you, one of your crazy audience members is gonna be like, huh, sleep doctor. He doesn't <laughs> know what he's talking about. I can have a cup of coffee for dinner and I can go to sleep three hours, four hours later and be just fine. Right. So let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> so you might be able to fall asleep, but the quality mm -hmm. of the sleep that you're getting with caffeine on board is not going to be good. I really want people who are listening to understand it's not about quantity. It's about the quality mm -hmm. of your sleep. Eight hours is a myth. To be clear, we right. don't need eight hours. I go to bed at right around midnight. I wake up at 6.13 almost every single day without an alarm. I'm the sleep doctor for God's sakes and I get six hours and 13 right. minutes of sleep. How do I pull something like that off? the consistency of my schedule. I wake up literally at 6.13 every morning wherever I am and my body knows what to do. So I don't actually require that much sleep. When I started, I went to bed at midnight, I was waking up at 7.30. Really? Yeah, three months later it was 7.15. Three months later it was seven o'clock. Three months later it was 6.45. But why, what was, the, what was the reason? Because of the consistency of my sleep, my body knows what to do. It starts to eliminate the sleep that I don't need. Isn't that interesting? Right. I didn't realize that. So there's a there's a condensation or a condensing of your sleep schedule with the with being rapid and repetitive and finding that consistency in your sleep. This is the secret that I use with all of my CEOs and my athletes who come to me for high performance sleep coaching is I figure out what is their genetic sleep schedule based on something called their chronotype. Right. We'll talk about that in a second. Right. And then I put them into it and I make them be consistent with it and their sleep schedule begins to shrink naturally. I don't take anything away from anybody's sleep schedule. Your brain does it all on its own. If you find the right swim lane, 
and you follow that and follow that and follow that with your sleep yeah. schedule, you will knock it out. That's what, so where did this whole myth come from that you need seven and a half hours of sleep, mm. eight hours of sleep, you need, where yeah. did that even So begin? there was a study done at Stanford in the 40s, no, in the 50s rather, okay. and they locked people in these chambers and they said, we're not gonna give you any outside cues, no light, no, and we're gonna leave you in there for 30 days and see what happens. At the end of 30 days, people slept roughly eight hours and 13 minutes. This is in the 50s. Wow, yeah. And that's where the recommendation came from. We're in 2020. So we're 70, roughly 70 years later. I would argue sleep has evolved. People who were sleeping in the 50s, if you measured people sleep in the 50s and you measure people sleep right now, I guarantee you it's different. Why? We've got different influences. We've got different nutrition. We've got different movement. We've got different sun. We've got different air. We've got different climate. All of these things are gonna have an effect. So sleep has evolved. Sleep has changed over time. We need to meet the times. Right. Eight hours was the myth for back then. And maybe back then people did need that much sleep because they didn't move as much because their nutrition was terrible because of all of these things. Right. I dial in my nutrition. I dial in my exercise just like I dial in my sleep. And that's why I do the high performance sleep coaching work. Now, step number three has to do with alcohol, which is the big, big offender for people. Yeah. So let's talk just for a second about alcohol. So what's interesting about alcohol is it's the number one sleep aid in the world. More people drink themselves to sleep than just about anything else. Now, to be fair, I'm not a teetotaler. I like wine, scotch, beer. I think I've had drinks with you before. Maybe, but I think I'm not a drinker, so maybe I was pretending. I oh, don't know. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. So at the end of the day, when you look at alcohol ingestion, you want to look at the timing of the last sip versus the timing of lights out because that time frame affects sleep the most. So follow my logic. If you have one glass of wine, okay. I tell people to have one glass of water and wait one hour. It takes the average human one hour to digest one alcoholic beverage. If you have two glasses of wine, drink right. two glasses of water, wait two hours before it lights out. If you drink right up until you turn off the light, the alcohol directly affects stages three and four sleep, which is again, that physical restoration, that wake up and feel great sleep, the beauty sleep. Yeah. Half the reason you have a hangover is because alcohol knocks out stage three, four sleep. The other half is because of dehydration. Because yeah. Remember, alcohol is a diuretic. So another reason why you don't want to drink alcohol before bed, because sleep is a dehydrative event in and of itself. Right, absolutely. Most people don't even know. We lose almost a full liter of water every night just from the humidity in our breath. So. Picture this, I've had three or four beers to help me fall asleep. I'm now started to pee and become dehydrated. I'm breathing, probably snoring because of the vasodilation oh, yeah. in my nose and breathing out. So now I'm losing all of this humidity out of my breath. I wake up, I'm super dehydrated. And what do most people do? Drink coffee, which is also a diuretic. Oh so we see this whole arc of dehydration that occurs. And we, you know, people wonder why they feel like shit in the morning after getting a good night's sleep. They're probably dehydrated. Yeah. And they probably didn't get a good night's sleep. Wow, and that's also caffeine's also that diuretic. Same exactly. Route. That's why also. That's on the other side of it, right? Right. So stop caffeine by two, stop alcohol three hours before bed. That way you can still enjoy an adult beverage, have a glass of wine or what have you, but then it doesn't it's affect just... your sleep. So it makes it a little bit easier. Now, step number four is built for JC. Okay, I want to hear all right? it. I it's hear all it. about exercise, okay. right? I like so, this one already. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would. It's all about movement. Yeah. Everybody's got to move, okay? Sleep is recovery. You have to have something to recover from right. in order to recover, right? And so I had a, one of my celebrity clients texted the other day. They said, I've taken 200 steps and it's two o'clock. I was like, oh my God, I've probably taken 7,000 steps by two o'clock. But the point she was making is nobody's moving. 
right? Everybody's sedentary. Right. And when you're, when you're sedentary, there's nothing to recover from. Therefore, right. I'm constantly saying exercise every day. But remember, sleep follows the core body temperature cycle. So an exercise raises your core body temperature. If you exercise too close to bedtime and your temperature is high, it's really difficult to fall asleep because your whole core body is trying to do this. So what I always tell people is step number four is to stop exercise four hours before bed. That is very interesting. I, I think I'm a big believer that you should be exercising in the morning as part of your, you know, your daily routine, right? right. You're, you're getting yourself, you're, you're starting your day off on the right foot. Absolutely. You, you're more on point with your productivity because mm -hmm. sure. it gives you more energy. But, and, and other people would always say to me, well, how about, I, I like to work out before I go to sleep because it's also mm -hmm. the, the, but I didn't realize that because I would figure if you're extra exhausted, maybe from mm -hmm. the workout that you would fall asleep anyway. So here's the interesting thing. And this is the perfect time to bring up chronotypes. Yes. So some people can exercise better in the morning and some people exercise better in the evening based on these things called chronotypes. Yes. So what are chronotypes, Dr. Bruce? All right. So you've heard me toss around this term, but you actually, everybody out there probably knows what I'm talking about. If anybody's ever been called an yeah. early bird or a night owl, those are chronotypes. So my contribution is I actually came up with four. So the literature would say that we have early birds, we have what are called hummingbirds, people in the middle, right. and then we have night owls. My contribution is I added a fourth category, which were people with insomnia. Now, to be fair, I'm not a bird. I'm a mammal. Yeah. So I renamed them all and I decided to create animals that we could all identify yeah. with. By the way, if you're having a marketing meeting for a book and you're trying to determine categories for people, let me just tell you, nobody wants to be a porcupine. No. Nobody wants to be a platypus. No, so. <laughs> that's why they're called bears. Right, exactly. Lions. Exactly. I remember this from your book, this book right here, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the Power of When, right over here. And you know, it's I want you to talk about this because what sure. I've noticed also, your, knowing your chronotype helps you with other things beyond just sleep, which I want to talk about too. Yeah. So let's do it. Sure. So when we look at chronotypes, one of the things we know is there's four types. So early bird gets replaced by lions. Middle or hummingbirds gets replaced by bears. Night owls gets replaced by wolves. And then our insomniacs are dolphins. Now, I chose those animals very specifically because they actually have the chronotypes that we're talking about. Right. Lions are early kill. Wolves are nocturnal creatures. So we wanted people to feel comfortable with the animals that we had espoused. Right. Now, once you understand these different categories, it turns out that it actually has a lot to do with your hormone distribution. Mm. So people say to me, well, how does sleep schedule? How is that genetic? So there's a very specific place. These are called single nucleotide polymorphisms or SNPs. So there's an aberration or a change in our genetic strain, specifically in the PER3 gene. That gene, if there's a little twist, you become an early bird. If there's a twist in a different direction, you become a night owl. It's really that simple. I mean, there's a couple oh, other wow. genes that have to jump on board, but that's kind of the main one just for simplicity's sake. And so it's genetic. So people tell me all the time, oh, I can make myself an early bird. I'm like, good luck, dude. If you're, <laughs> if it's not in your genes, you're going to really be struggling to do that. So when we get people to follow their genetic chronotypes, that's when the magic happens. So what's interesting is not only do you sleep better, you have sex better, 
you eat better, you exercise better because you're following your chronotypes right. or your hormones. So what we do is we find the times and day when those hormones are naturally high, and then we do the activities that work well with those hormones. So this is what I want to delve into. This is so fascinating. It's cool me. stuff. Yeah. So give me some examples. So how, so by the way, there's a there's a test that someone you can take for free, right? Yeah. Um, and that's on your website. Yeah. So if people okay. go to chronoquiz dot com. Okay. C-H-R-O-N-O-Q-U-I-Z dot com. Takes two minutes. You will learn more about your chronotype than you ever have. We actually had over two million people take the quiz now. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Wow. It's crazy. And people are really digging it because we're able to figure out all kinds of things. I will tell you the most popular question that I get asked is what's the best time for intimacy? Yeah. I was right? going to say, because people always are doing it at night, right? Before they go to bed, but aren't right. you tired? I mean, I don't know. I'm tired before I go to bed. It's not, not tonight. Right? I have a headache. Yeah. It's not tonight. I'm too freaking tired, Michael. Yeah. Right. And so here's what's interesting. So let's talk about sex for yeah. just a second. Okay. Here. You need five hormones to have successful sex. You need estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, adrenaline, and cortisol all need to be elevated. Okay. And melatonin needs to be low. Right. Right. That would make sense, right? These are the of energy course, ones yes. and these are the sleep ones. 74%, we did a survey, 74% of people have sex between 1030 and 1130 at night. What do you think their hormone profile looks like? The opposite. Exactly. Yeah. Melatonin is high and all of those things are low. So that's hint number one <laughs> wow. as yeah. to when you should be becoming intimate. Hint number two, what do most men wake up with? I, An yeah, erection. I, exactly. Right. Yeah. If that's not mother nature telling you when to use that thing, I don't know what is. Right. It, that's so true. Right. Gosh. It's a circadian rhythmicity yeah. to it. So here it gets even better. We interviewed people when we said, hey, could you guys try to become intimate in the mornings? Let's see what happens. Better physicality. Like they actually performed physically better. Right. They felt more connected to their partner and they enjoyed the sex more. That's, but what if you're a night owl? Great question. Yeah. What, what even better question? What if you're a night owl and your partner is an early bird? Right. See, that's what I was going to say. This can really help with, with <laughs> like relationship oh, yeah. chemistry. I, I personally think Match.com and eHarmony should be asking sleep questions. Absolutely. I, right? I actually could not agree with you more. Right. Like, that wouldn't would you want to know? Sense. Absolutely. Like, and by the time you end up in bed with somebody, you're well into the relationship yeah. usually. So you can't be like, oh, wait a second, you snore. Or you like it warm and I like a firm bed, like we're not gonna be compatible. So yeah. it'd be great to know that information in the front end. So what it really, I really actually it really <laughs> would, right? Like I in know. terms of like I bet you the divorce rate would be much lower. I'm not joking. Oh, snoring. I've saved more marriages as a sleep doctor than I ever would have as a marital therapist just by getting people in the bed yeah, together so and sleeping true. together. It's unbelievable. Oh, believe me, I I know just firsthand. I know friends of mine who have like partners who are like huge snorers and they end up like sleeping separately. And right. then from that, it kind of just goes, you yeah. know, down the rabbit hole. Oh. Of, and it's tough of, too, of because one that. person is being disrupted. The other person is saying, that's your problem, not my problem. Because that's what we always hear from right. snorers. Um, and here's the other thing that's always interesting about couples and sleep is there's only room for one bad sleeper in any couple. Yeah. I've never met a couple where both people are bad sleepers. Right, right, right. Right. There's always one person that sleeps like a log and one person that's pissed off that they sleep like a log. Exactly. <laughs> and that's 100% true. Right. And then because of that disruption, it, it causes resentment. And, exactly. And, and it just goes down the rabbit hole. Pissed, pissed. at their partner who's got a skill set that they wish they had. Absolutely, exactly. Right. So that's what we start to look at. And you it. can't tweak that, right? You can't, tr you can't tweak you your chronotype. You cannot change your chronotype, right. but 
what we did in the book was we found times for people at different chronotypes to be able to be intimate. So I have lion, bear, wolf, dolphin on one axis and lion, bear, wolf, dolphin on the other axis, male versus female. And then we have different times to do it. We also have a matrix for lesbian couples and for gay couples because the hormonal patterns are so different. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So the, yeah. the research was in the, in the literature. We just pulled it out and stuck it into the book and people really like it. Yeah. I'll tell you my favorite thing about the book though that has nothing to do with sleep um, is it's become a communication tool. For so many people, right. I'll give you an example. So it's like the four love languages in a way, but like this new version of it. It's exactly right. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. So I'll give you the example. So you know, my I have a daughter, Carson. Yeah. She's 17 years old, and for anybody who has a 17 year old daughter, there's just nothing fun about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so I would go into her room in the morning, and I would say, "Hey, Carson, you know, wake up. What have you got going on today? You know, how's it going?" And she'd be like, "Leave me." alone. Like that would be about the, the extent yeah. that I would get out of her. If I walked into her room at seven o'clock at night and I asked the exact same questions, I was there for 90 minutes. 90 really? Minutes. Yeah. A teenage girl wanting to talk to her father for an hour and a half. That's hard to find. But is that, so isn't that, that can't just be chronotype. That has to be like where you are in your life. Like a it's teenager 100%. always wants to be so, so sleeping. They always want to sleep in and whatever Because else. that's their chronotype. Here's what's fascinating. Babies are born lions. Oh, early wow. birds. Think about it when you first had your kids. What did they do? They went to bed early and they woke up really early. Yeah. Then they hit the toddler stage. What happens next? They become bears. They wake up at a reasonable time and they go to bed at a reasonable time. Then they become teenagers. What happens? They become wolves. They want to stay up late and sleep late. Think about when you were a child yeah, yeah, back, yeah, yeah, back yeah. in the day. So that's what I was able to capitalize on. So my daughter's a night owl. She's a wolf. So when I go in and I ask her the same questions, I get to have a relationship with her. There's nothing more important in my life than my relationship with my daughter or my son. So when I find a communication tool that allows me access to them, I'm gonna take advantage of it. That's incredible. So you actually, your chronotype does morph and evolve as you age in life. And that's yeah. why when you're older, you end up doing, like you kind of go back to exactly. going to bed early right. and waking up. Your chronotype up. changes and yeah. you become a lion again. As we age, what we see is melatonin production begins to slow, right? And it actually happens a little bit earlier and that's when we become lions again. Oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. It's like this weird evolutionary kind of thing that happens. And it's been there all along. I'm just the guy that put it into a book and said, hey, if you want to, check it out. We actually created entire day, days for people. So like, if you identify as a lion, I tell you everything to do exactly at the time to do it during the day. And then we just have people try it out. And here's the thing, people write me all the time. They're like, holy crap, I had no idea that this could work so well. I mean, we have everything in here from when to ask your boss for a raise, when to cold call, when to make a sale. So on the business side of things, uh, our friend uh, Dave Asprey from Bulletproof, when I first came out with this book, Dave called me up and he said, I chronotyped my entire company and we changed our meeting schedule based on chronotypes. So we had all the lions meeting in the morning and all the wolves and the creatives meeting at night. And he said, productivity through the roof. Well, I was going to say this, a couple things I saw, I actually saw that interview. I saw the Bulletproof Radio interview uh -huh. you did. And I found two things I found fascinating was that if, why is it that if people actually more than if just Dave, but if more companies kind of took to that, they would be the, the employee, the employee engage, engagement and, and happiness the would room. be so much higher because you're right. Like if you're somebody who is 
it, or also school, you know, school starts so early. Like if, right. if actually school started a little bit later, especially for teenagers, for teenagers, the productivity would be so much higher. There's no question about it. And one of the biggest factors that's so fascinating about chronotypes is it can be influenced by light. So yes. when we talk about light, light becomes medicine. Light becomes a very important aspect to all of the science that goes on here because we can manipulate our chronotypes yeah. with light Absolutely. or the avoidance of you light. You can so I thought light, I didn't know you can manipulate it with light. Oh yeah. I know that light is a, a major issue and factor when it comes to your sleep. It is. And I mean, to block blue light, I mean, some people are saying they use red light. So can you talk about that? Let's unpack Let, that Let's for talk a about that. Cause I know that you talk, you, I've, I've actually heard you say before, light is poisoning if it's mm -hmm. not the right kind of light. Here's what I say. Light is medicine, period. It is a wavelength that has an effect on the human body. Depends upon the type of wavelength and where, the, where it hits in the body and when it hits on the body to have this effect. The most important aspect of light to me has to do with blue light in particular. Yes. So for folks who may or may not know what actual blue light is, it's a particular frequency within the light spectrum between 460 and 480 nanometers. It's actually called cyan, which is another word for blue, um, and we call it blue light. It's not actually blue in when you see it, it's actually quite white. What's interesting about this particular frequency of light is we have a particular cell in our eye called melanopsin cells. When that frequency hits the melanopsin cell, it turns off the melatonin faucet in our brain. Wow. That ain't good at night. No, it's, it's not. It's great in the mornings to wake up, right? So like when I have bulbs in my, uh, in, in my office, as a matter of fact, you sent me some amazing bulbs. Thank you, you very much. You know why I sent those to you? Because I heard that I found these bulbs from the makers of Sylvania General Lighting. They're mm -hmm. natural uh, light bulbs. Yeah. And they are supposed to help reduce the blue light. Exactly. And, and so it's right. And it's something that people don't really think of ever, but yet everyone is using light bulbs. So right. I, I figure, you know what I mean? So like, it's one of those easy hacks, so to speak, that you can just do. One of the, It's one of those set it and forget it type yeah. of things is once you've acquired these bulbs that have either filters in them or your understanding of the blue light and when to use them, it becomes incredibly important throughout your day. Right. I mean, circadian science and lighting science that goes together is pretty amazing. So thanks for the bulbs. I actually put them into my office and I now have much better daylight in my office because it's in the back part of my house that's very covered. Oh, good. I'm so glad that you like them. Yeah. Because, so now I've got daylight. Because they have this thing they have, um, it's called, uh, what is it? True wave technology, which right. also helps mimic the sunlight. Yeah. So again, another thing that with, I thought it's very important to be outside. Every, every productivity, Absolutely. biohacker, health hacker, doctor, yeah. human being, you know, you need to be outside. That's why I take vitamin D, right? right? For that extra uh, vitamin D source. And so if, if I can find a light bulb, I figured, you know, I'm not the, I'm not a sleep doctor, but it's supposed to really help with your circadian rhythm. It absolutely does. And it helps reset that circadian rhythm. So in the morning time, so think about it like this, we're kind of walking into winter right now. Yeah. Right. And what happens in winter? Less sunlight. Right. Right. Absolutely. We're, we're about to have a lot less sunlight. So having these bulbs actually can help you wake up in the mornings when you use them. Oh, right, because if it's dark yeah. out and you have these great bulbs that have blue light in them, some do, some don't, you can actually get that blue light, be awake, and then have other bulbs maybe hit the dimmer switch or other bulbs in the bedroom. Right, right, and right. And you can do it that way. So I'll tell you the secret that I did. Okay. So I didn't tell my, my kids. And I put the bright lights in the bathroom and I put the filtered ones in the bedroom and I didn't tell them. 
And so they don't even know it, but I'm hacking their sleep yeah. with light right now. And they don't even know they it. They have no idea. Parents, this is a good idea. Yeah. Don't tell your kids, right? And so here's what I did was when my daughter goes into the bathroom in the morning and she switches on the light, total blue light, perfect sunlight. When she goes into her room and she flips on her light, no blue light, but there's still enough light for her to do her studies, watch her computer, listen to her tunes, whatever she wants to do. Really? Dude, it works great. It is. I mean, also because we're on our computers also so much. So we're getting more, we're, we're getting more blue light coming at so us I have, all the time. I have something for that as well. So I really like blue light blocking glasses. So for folks who are spending a lot of time in front of a screen, lots of Zoom calls like what you're saying, I really like these. And I'll, I'm gonna tell you the story of how I, I had to develop my own line of blue light blocking glasses because I didn't really like the quality of what I found out there. So both of my kids are gamers uh, yes. and they love to play their video games. Like every other kid. Right, and yeah. I mean, they could be up late, late, late. Well, here's the thing, blue light, blue light, blue light, fight, 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 blue light. You know, who the heck can go to sleep after something like right, that? Right, right, right. So I, I went out and I purchased like 10 different pair of blue light blocking glasses. None of them were particularly good. So I said, okay, I'm gonna go build my own. So I act, I'm one of those guys. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. went out <laughs> I and, and I That's built right. my own line of blue light blocking glasses specifically for my children. Now we sell them at, uh, I think it's called sleepdoctorglasses.com. So check them out. But there's three things you need to know about blue light glass blocking glasses, whether you get mine or you don't. Number one is it has to block between 460 and 490 nanometers. That's that blue spectrum. That's number one. Number two, they need to be amber in color. Now, many people have seen now that they've got the clear lenses that are available. Yeah. They don't work, and I'll tell you why. There's three factors to blue light. Frequency, brightness, and angle. That's what affects these melanopsin cells. Well, frequency is that blue light blocking. Right. Brightness, you can't block brightness with a clear lens. It just doesn't work. Right. That's why you have the amber lens because it lowers the brightness. The angle is tough. Unless you're wearing actually goggles, you're probably not gonna be able to fix the angle. But I recommend that you wanna have the lenses that block between 460 and 490 nanometers and you want amber lenses. I would also tell you, you probably want glasses that have either been created or approved by a sleep specialist. More from our guest, but first a few words from our sponsor. The solutions to our country's biggest problems are closer than we think. And Believe in People by Charles Koch is a guidebook to uncovering them. It's a look into the transformations that happen in society when we transform ourselves. From former gang leaders turned peace brokers, to amateur athletes discovering dynamic new ways to support Americans seeking sobriety. There's a reason best-selling author and stoic advocate Ryan Holiday call it a provocative book for the moment. The stories inside detail the habits, principles, and devotions of true changemakers. Believe in People is out right now. Order the book today at believeinpeoplebook.com slash habits and hustle. That's believeinpeoplebook.com slash habits and hustle. And now to our next sponsor. So have you guys tried UCAN for your energy? Because if not, I would definitely give it a shot. UCAN has this patented ingredient called superstarch, which has this ability to provide a steady release of energy without spiking your blood sugar levels. This helps you focus through the day. It gives you longer lasting training while you're working out, and it keeps your hunger in check without, of course, compromising your health. Today, I had their energy and protein 
cookies and cream powder, which was not just delicious, but it really did maintain my energy throughout the day. It was originally created for a child with a rare metabolic disorder, but you can super starch is now the go-to energy for over 400 colleges and pro teams. Olympians are using it and thought leaders in health and fitness are also fans. You can learn more about you can at you that's U C A N dot C O and save 20% on your order with code hustle. So there's so many different ways that we could hack our, our sleep just with using the right light bulbs, like That's the ones correct. I sent you that I use from the ones from the makers of Sylvania, those natural bulbs. You can get uh, glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what other ways could you... So there's a lot of different things that you can think right. about with light. I mean, and or just in general, like yeah, ha- or I just mean, like other sleep hacks to kind of. Well, one of the things I have people do is I have them set an alarm on their phone okay. for about like eight o'clock at night. Let's say they're going to bed at ten, mm-hmm. and I have that eight o'clock alarm means dim the lights. If you don't want to go out and spend the money, just go around and dim the lights. Just get less light exposure at night. Right. But light's only one area. I like to think of the five senses, okay. and I look at all five of those, and then I attack all of those. So we've attacked sight or light. Right. The next would be sound. Right. Right. So sound. What What's the deal with sound? What is sound? Why does sound wake us up? So I I did some investigating, and here's what we've discovered: is sound itself doesn't wake you up. It's the difference between the sound that you hear and the new sound. It's the delta that is. So as an example, if it's quiet and you hear a bang, you wake up. But if there was a lot of banging going on and you heard a bang, you wouldn't wake up. Right, right, right. And so it's about the difference. And so number one, it's not always the best to sleep in complete silence. Um, so interestingly, mm. when you sleep in complete silence, your hearing becomes more acute. Yeah. And in fact, you hear more stuff. Right. So think about it. If you have been in a hotel yeah. and it's weird, but it's super quiet and you can hear every creak and crunch and people walking yeah. around. Right. It's not that great. So and that's why when people are have babies, they sometimes don't want to like a lot of parents want everything to be so quiet. So they don't right. wake up and they're Wrong. right. And the other and there are other parents are like, you know what? No, I want them to get used to having different like different sounds because they're not that sensitive. So they bring them out to the party and, right. and exactly. the baby's sleeping perfectly. Absolutely. You vacuum under the yes. crib. That's what, that's what my mom yes. did. Absolutely. Like that's, there should be some noise going on. Now people say, should it be white noise? Should it be brown noise? Should it be pink noise? There's right. all kinds of noise. Okay. Right, right, right. Try them all. See what you like. Yeah. You know, there's a whole host of different, you know, sounds and sound machines out there. Um, bedside sound machines. My favorite is one called Zenergy by iHome. I, full disclosure, I had something to do with helping I, them out. I have out. that. I know. I, I gave know. It to I you. like it. It's actually very good. <laughs> full disclosure, I like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. I just started working with Bose and they've developed these things called Sleep Buds. So this was unique to me and I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, to be fair. Okay. So they're earbuds that you sleep with. So what happens is they don't have this big, you know, battery on the side. They're actually flush to the ear and they have a sound library and you can only play what's in the sound library. And what's in the sound library are all things that help you fall asleep. So there's nature sounds, there's meditations, there's relaxations. So it's really been quite good because as you wow, know, yeah. I have a French bulldog at my house that snores sleeping in my bed. Yeah. And does he sleep with, I thought that's like another no-no for sleeping. Do not sleep with your pets. So what do I, so what does Michael's bedroom look like? Mm. So my wife has the big screen TV on <laughs> all night. 
No. I have, yes. I have a French bulldog who literally crawls up in the middle of the night and he puts his snoring head on my pillow. You know, the irony is just so thick here. It's, it's unbelievable. It's great, right? Yeah. I talk about it all the time. So how can I be the sleep doctor and sleep with a television on and a dog in the bed? I'll tell you why, because neither one of those things is disruptive, right? If you can fall asleep, when I married my wife, she said to me, Michael, I sleep with the television on, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Right? Wow. And guess what? So you guys, aren't the, same, you guys aren't the same chronotype. We're the though. same timing, but she likes to watch television to fall asleep, and I don't. So when I put these sleep buds in, I listen to naturescapes, and she's watching the housewives of whatever. Right, right, and right. And she's fine, and I'm fine. But you see the light. So that's a great question. So is it so is the light the factor? So what do I do? I have an eye mask. I've been sleep I've slept with an eye mask almost my whole life. I since I was young I like eye masks. Isn't that interesting? So you so it works. I mean but it's still like it's it, the first thing everyone says but the fact that don't sleep with the you know don't go to bed with an iPad or a TV mm. and the, and then your wife is the one who goes to bed with like a humongous right. like So let's talk about it. Yeah. So notice I said it's okay for her to watch the TV but I didn't say anything about a phone. And I didn't say anything about a tablet. So those are off limits. And I'll tell you why. Why? Yeah, what's the difference? Proximity. Okay. Closer source of the blue light and engagement. If you're on Facebook and you're trying to get your high score on Candy Crush, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not trying to go to sleep. Yeah, you're right. Right? But if you're, you know, leaning back with your eyes closed watching an old episode of Seinfeld, you're probably gonna fall asleep. Right? What it does is it's a distraction technique and it's not a bad one. And by the way, 99% of televisions have software that have timers built in. So if you're not an idiot, you can actually set your timer for three hours after you fall asleep and it will go off and you will be fine. And you'll be fine. Of course you will. Because I mean, I would always fall asleep to a television, to like, you know, whatever show I'm watching, right. you know, it's there's like nothing wrong with that. I see. I, I love knowing that. You know what I mean? Because I was always. I give you permission to fall asleep with the television on. Thank you. As long as I'm like, <laughs> as long as I'm like conscientious about the other ways I can exactly. fall asleep better. So that's, I guess that's why those light bulbs, not to, not to get back about again, but like, mm -hmm. because then you're, you're reducing the emission right. of, of the blue light. That's correct. Throughout the day. So there's less in it there's less that you're absorbing in your body. For sure. So it makes a big difference. No question. To do it for the 24 hour, oops, for the 24 hour period. Yeah. Versus, okay, I understand this. And then. And now people are using red light and using red light therapy. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. I mean, there's a whole host of things, but getting back to the bedroom, we, you know, we talked about yeah. light, we talked about sound now. About but what's the red light? Explain that. So there's data now to suggest that red light helps with inflammation. Well, I, oh, you mean like the near, oh, I have that. Well, I, I have that thing. I stand in front of that thing mm -hmm. all the time. So now people are talking about doing that before bed. Oh yeah, that's that, that's part of their whole thing though, right? Is that and it so, helps with inflammation, right. it helps with like Pain. your mood and cal calmness. I'm mm -hmm. using it for my knee a lot actually. Yeah, but you said you blew out your knee, yeah. so right? So that not blew sense. out, not, don't, knock, don't knock on wood. It's not <laughs> good though, I've injured my knee, let's not. Fair enough, fair yeah, enough. Okay. Didn't mean, to, didn't mean to put that on you. <laughs> so, so the next one that we looked at, we looked at sight, we looked at sound, then we look at touch. Yeah. Right, so that's all about temperature. Yeah. Right, so what should the temperature be? Remember, sleep follows your core body temperature cycle lower. So you always want it to be cooler. Now, this is where we get into some difficulties because some like it hot and some like it cold. Yeah, so exactly. So I always get asked the question, should I sleep with clothing or without clothing? So honestly, sleeping without clothing, your body is better able to thermoregulate because you don't have so many layers between you and the cold source. So believe it or not, sleeping naked is better for you. There's even data to show that you burn brown fat when you sleep naked, not white fat, as a metabolic 
uh, as part of the metabolic process of sleep, which brown fat is much harder to yes. lose than regular fat and can be actually better for you. There's been one study. Don't ask me to quote the exact study because I don't remember all the I details. I was going to say, so then there is a correlation between sleeping naked and weight loss? Yes, there is. Absolutely. Um, no question about it. Now, some people, again, don't want to sleep naked. They want to, they're, they're warm, warm body creatures. They want to sleep with warmth. So one of the things that we've discovered is that the feet are a big thermoregulator, yeah. right? So you ever notice how if you're hot and you stick your foot out from the covers, instantly your whole body cools down yes. and everything's better? So I had to investigate this. Turns out you don't have any hair on the bottom of your feet and it's it allows you to express heat much easier, you know, down here. Yeah. And so what I do is when I have, and usually it's the guy who wants to be cooler and the gal that wants to be warmer, right. I have her wearing socks and I have him with no socks with his feet out from under the covers. And oftentimes I don't have a temperature war anymore, which is kind of interesting. That, that, that's, that's another good one, right? I, I'm full of them. Yeah, you got so many like really easy strategies. That's the goal. Yeah, okay, give me some more other ones. Give me some other ones. So I'll give you a couple of other things and let's talk some things specific to COVID since we're in the middle of all okay. of that, right? Okay. And so one thing I'm, I'm saying is it's okay to fall asleep with the television on, but give yourself a media diet 90 minutes before bed. You can't watch anything that has to do with politics, oh, COVID, right. news, nothing, right. okay? There's now data to show that being positive before bed leads to faster falling asleep and more positive dreams. Optimism works, okay? So yeah. watching whatever news station is right. not particularly optimistic, right? Because it gives you more stress and angst exactly. and anxiety. And that does, it's yeah. not good for sleep. So I'm telling not. people to just do, Right before bed, do a gratitude list. Yeah. Like, what are you grateful for? Like, maybe maybe there's not much. Maybe you're just happy that you got a roof over your head. Right. Um, but some days we can be really grateful for a lot of things and that can benefit our sleep, which is kind of cool. Wow. So the positivity actually is a correlation between that. Well, mm -hmm. I that that would make sense. Because like, like, like I said, I mean, if you have anxiety and stress, you're going to have a worse time falling asleep. Yeah. Right? And right. you can actually almost program your dreams this way. Oh, so I want to know how to do that. So, so it doesn't work all the time, but okay. whatever you're thinking about just before bed, you have a tendency to think about in your dream world. So, you know, I have some, some patients who, you know, fantasize about intimacy. I have some people who think about their, you know, their business in a positive way. You know, there's lots of things that you can think about to try to solve that problem. So, so what, so your idea, so you're saying that before you go to sleep, think about whatever that thing is that you want to dream about manifest and, and manifest, it, and then it can happen it, more times, more, than not, more often than not, it really does seem to happen. Now you got to be careful, right? So if you manifest, like if you're thinking, I want to solve this big problem and it's a super stressful problem, you could end up with a super stressful dream, right? right? But you kind of asked for it. You kind of did, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, is there a correlation between, um, dreams you can remember? Like, is there like, are you in a deeper mm -hmm. sleep if you can remember your dreams or Great if it's question. more vivid or? So it all has to do with where in the sleep cycle that you wake up, not necessarily okay. the depth of the dream. So people can remember dreams when they wake up from them. 80% of the time that we're in REM sleep, we're dreaming, but believe it or not, we dream in all stages of sleep. It's just when you wake up determines how often you will remember that dream. Okay. The easiest way to do it is keep a pad by the side of the bed or like a little voice recorder. And what's interesting is when you wake up, if you really wanna learn how to record your dreams, there's two or three things that you should do. Number one is you don't wanna open your eyes. Number two, you don't wanna move. Number three, all you wanna do is you wanna just 
think about what it was that you were dreaming about and it will slowly come to you over the okay. course of a few minutes. Then once you start to get that image and that idea in your head, then start to write it down in as much detail as you can. Over the course of three to five days, your, your description will get longer and longer and longer and you'll start to really begin to remember the aspects of your dream. Now on my podcast, which is called Sleep Success with Dr. Michael Bruce, um, I recently interviewed a dream therapist now, this is not a dream interpreter, which is BS. This is a dream therapist. Very different. What's the difference? I had to learn the same. A dream interpreter says- What was if, his name? I had one on my her, show. It's Leslie Giles. Oh, okay, wrong person. Um, yeah. and, uh, Ellis, I'm sorry, Leslie Ellis, and she was amazing. So what was so interesting about what she does, an interpreter says, there's symbolism in your dream. And if you dream about water, then you, th oh, it means yes, this. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. There's no such thing as a dream dictionary. Nobody's ever figured that out. There's no science behind it. What this woman does, which is very interesting to me, is she says, let's take all of the information that you were dreaming about and let's talk about it in therapy. So most people don't realize it, but dreams are really a way to process emotion. Mm -hmm. That's one of our thought thoughts behind what is dream theory. It's this time to get through difficult times, stressful times, emotional times. Well, it kind of makes sense if you took all that information and brought it into your therapist. If you remember it. Right, right? if exactly. you remember it. You know? so, what it, so you learn how to record your dream and you bring your dream in. And then with this woman, and she was phenomenal. It was incredible. And now to be fair, she works with people with nightmares, trauma-related dreams. I mean, there can be some pretty scary stuff that goes on in, in people's dreams. Right. And so that's been a focus of her work, but people could do it for any kind of dream. You could use any kind of dream to help you understand more about your thought process, your success, your failures, things like that. Wow, is there like a different, is there a, cro um, a chronotype of personality that remembers dreams more? Because I can never remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I maybe can remember, remember for like two seconds and then like I literally have no clue what I dreamt. So it's a practice makes progress oh, kind of thing. Is okay. It's just do it, do it, do it. And by the fifth or eighth time, all of a sudden it just kind of all pours out. Really? Okay. That's Usually. good. That's good to know. Okay. Give yeah. me more hacks about how we can sleep. Well, so Better. one of the other things besides doing a media oh. diet would be progressive muscle relaxation. So this is one of my favorite techniques out there. Okay, what And is this, this is where one? you tense and relax muscles starting at the top of your head and moving down your body every 30 seconds to a different body part. What it does is it teaches you to identify tension okay. and relaxation, but it's so damn relaxing. Most people fall asleep before they get through their whole body. How, hold on, so how, how do you do that? You just... There's a script you can, if you go on to Apple Music and you type in progressive muscle relaxation, you will find one. You know what? I've got one. I'm going to give it to you. And okay. then let's put it into the show notes. Okay. And then people can download. It'll be my voice. I will warn you. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. But uh, I've been told I have a very melodious you voice. Do. You do. You do have a great voice, actually. <laughs> you do. It's, it's true. You should have like a, you should be on a radio. Uh, you should be a or DJ. Or a podcast. Or a podcast. I was going to say. <laughs> Maybe hang out with you. Or yeah, you can come on more often. I would love it. Absolutely. You can be my co-host. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> Absolutely. So progressive muscle relaxation okay. is, is a good one. Media diet is a good one. So I've got another two that I want to share with you. So for folks out there, one of my big things is magnesium. So a lot of people don't know it. I was going to ask you about magnesium. People are deficient in magnesium quite a bit. There's three things that I look for in every single person that walks through my door. I look for a magnesium deficiency, a vitamin D deficiency, and an iron deficiency. Mm. Those three things will dramatically affect your sleep. And to be fair, almost everybody is deficient in those. Women more so than men in the iron side of things, but on vitamin D and magnesium, it seems to be a very popular problem. So Even magnesium, I know vitamin D was one of those things that was very shocking. 
especially people mm-hmm. living in California or Arizona or, Arizona, or places or, like that, or Florida yeah. Yeah. or wherever. Absolutely, uh, because it's a, it also helps with your um, hormone balance, like imbalance. So it's a circadian regulator, right? And that's what helps with sleep. So I take my vitamin D in the morning times and it helps give me energy during the day and keeps my circadian rhythms regulated. And then I take magnesium at night. Magnesium is very calming, relaxing hormone, uh, mineral rather, that can be quite helpful. So I was deficient in both magnesium and vitamin D. Once I get the, once you get your, what we call PAR levels or just kind of get you up to no longer being deficient, then we know if you can sleep or not. Then we know if you really have a problem because it might just be a magnesium deficiency. It could be. How about melatonin deficiency? I feel a lot of people are it's taking rare. a lot of these melatonin supplements. So they're dumb sleep. and they shouldn't. Okay, right? really? So melatonin okay. is really only used for circadian changing. So okay. if you wanted to go from being a lion to being a wolf, we'd use melatonin to do that. By the way, you'd snap right back as soon as the melatonin wore off because remember, it's genetic. Yes. Melatonin really is only useful for jet lag. Right. So when you when your body is in one place and a plane takes you six hours different, melatonin is really good at making your body change your circadian rhythm. Ninety nine percent of people have plenty of melatonin on board. Okay, so that's number one. Most people don't need it and it doesn't do what people think. Melatonin is not ambient. Right. So a lot of people are taking it melatonin instead of taking ambient. Right. So remember how I was talking before that there are two different systems. There's a drive and a rhythm. Yeah. Melatonin only affects rhythm, period. It doesn't make you fall asleep. It makes your brain think it's bedtime. That's what melatonin does. Also, remember, it's a hormone. Most people don't know that it's a hormone. So you're taking a hormone. Right. Like you wouldn't go down to the local GNC and say, hey, give me some estrogen, give me some testosterone because it would mess you up. (laughs) And of course, they wouldn't give it to you, right? But yet this melatonin hormone has made it through the FDA system and nobody seems to care. How is that possible? It just slipped in under the under the radar. It's been like that for a very long time. A couple of other words of caution about melatonin. 95% of it is sold in an overdosage format. Well, exactly. I was going to say, dose is yeah. Between a half and one and a half milligrams. Wow. Less is more when it comes to melatonin. The way you know you've had a melatonin overdose is if it's not been effective or you have vivid dreams. The number one complaint that I hear from people is like, I tried melatonin and all it did was give me crazy dreams. Well, I'll tell you why. Because you took it at the wrong time and at the wrong dose. Timing turns out to be incredibly important because it's a circadian pacemaker. Oh, wow. Right? It's yes. not like you just pop it in your mouth before you go to bed. It takes 90 minutes for plasma concentration levels for melatonin to get up into your brain. 90 so, minutes? 90 minutes. Because it says on the bottle, take 30 minutes before you... It's wrong. Do you think the people who make melatonin have any idea what they're doing with it? Because they don't. So, how, so, so is it basically psychosomatic? You think it's going to work, so then... So melatonin, if you use it appropriately, will work. If you don't use it appropriately, you walk down one of two paths. You believe that it works, right. and so it works, or it just doesn't work. Right. Can you get addicted to it, too? You cannot. Like anything else? Oh, you cannot. And what's interesting, people always say, well, if I've taken it for 10 years, does that mean my body's going to stop making it? There have been at least two studies to say, no, that is not the case. But let's also talk about children and melatonin because this is a this is a sore sore topic for me. Okay. Yeah. Because pediatricians are telling parents to give their children melatonin. I don't give children hormones Period. Yeah, they okay. are. I didn't hear that, really. All the time. Parents come in, my child doesn't sleep. Give them a little melatonin, they'll be fine. Here's the thing. 
Melatonin is a hormone. The 99% of these children have plenty of melatonin yeah. on board. There is one group of kids that you have to be a little bit different with. So when you look at kids who are on the autism spectrum, there's been a lot of data to show that three to five milligrams, this is five times the recommended adult dose is very effective in kids on the spectrum. So my only caveat for anybody taking melatonin that's under the age of 18 is they probably would need to be on the spectrum and they definitely need to be talking with their doctor. That's very interesting. I never heard that actually. You asked for one more yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you one more thing actually. Um, those sleep tracker devices. Yeah. So I read, uh, I've been reading a lot of articles about it and about I, the irony again is very thick on that because the people who are so caught up on what their sleep tracker says, they're, they're so, there's, there's such anxiety around if you're sleeping okay. There's a new disorder. Okay. It's called orthosomnia and it's, you're, yes. you're tracking your sleep so much you're not sleeping. That's exactly it's it. It's unbelievable. Ortho Leave it to some obsessive compulsive individual. So it's called it ortho insomnia. Orthosomnia. Okay. And it's a real thing, It's right? a real thing. It's unbelievable. I don't have a problem tracking sleep. You can see I'm wearing a sleep tracker now. I was going to say, yeah. I, there's a lot of different things that are good about sleep trackers, but let's just be very clear. Okay. Sleep is super complicated, right? Yes. So like almost every tracker company was tracking steps before they were tracking sleep. Right. My right. daughter can come up with that. That's a calculus problem, okay? It's the length of your leg, it's your gait, and it's how far you go. I can calculate your steps very, very quickly. Yeah. How do you calculate sleep? It... Using your prototype? I don't, I don't know. Depends. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. Is yeah. it how fast you fall asleep? Is it how quickly you get to dream sleep? Is it how quickly you get to stage three sleep? Is it your number of awakenings? Is it the length of the awakenings? I could literally go on for or the, days. I, think, I would think how you track it, to be honest, is um, how long you're in your REM sleep or your deep sleep. And some people track it that way. So right. here's the problem. Is this tracking company and a tra another tracking company measure it differently? Oh, wow. Nobody's measuring the same stuff. So we don't even have definitions of, of everybody that's the same definition. So what I tell people is if you're going to use a tracker, whether it's an aura ring or a sleep score or a whoop band or whatever, whatever it is, it is yeah. don't look at the absolute data, look at the relative data. What do I mean? If you read one morning that your, your tracker says that you got 14 minutes of REM sleep, yeah. go back and see, did you get 14 minutes the night before and 14 minutes the night before? Then your tracker is inaccurate, but it's consistent. Oh, right? yes. But if you did 14, 14, 14, and then all of a sudden 411, I want to know what happened that night. Oh. When there's an aberration, when there's a difference in the data, yeah. that's when you want to look and see what, how did that affect my sleep? Don't worry about the minutes. But again, sleep is not a minutes game. It's a quality game. Right. Yeah, Everybody exactly. Everybody needs to remember that. So don't, when you're tracking, don't get caught in the minutes, get caught in the concept and understand how sleep works then you can use those tools for your advantage. But I think also what you said at the beginning of this podcast or more towards the beginning was that if you, the more consistent you are with your lifestyle and your Absolutely. routine, your brain will automatically tell you when to wake up or mm -hmm. when exactly. not to, you know, where you, you basically train your brain, train mm -hmm. your body in circadian rhythm yeah. where you wake up when your body actually needs to. So you don't even need these trackers usually. Then why are you wearing one? So I so the reason I wear a tracker is because people always ask me about tracking their sleep. Yeah, and so I want to be able to know and understand how the tool works to right. be able to educate them. Um, but to be really honest with you, I don't look at my sleep. My, my, you know how I tell how I slept well when I wake up and I feel good. Yeah, that's how I know I slept well. Yeah. sleep is a perception. When you wake up in the morning, how you feel is a very good metric of how well you slept. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And if you do it consistently, your body knows what to do and you will consistently start to sleep well. 
I love that. Okay. That's the key. I got to think of it. Did, did I, uh, what else did I want to ask you? Um, I guess, you know, I should ask you just one question because we it, you did talk about this, but you said it earlier. We didn't get to it because we went on another topic. <laughs> but I want, when is the best time to ask your boss for a, a raise? raise? Mm-hmm. Is it depending on what his cr- uh, chronotype would it be, is, right? So absolutely. if he's a lion. So there's if, a couple of ways to figure this out. Not to kind of de- derail everything. No, this is a gonna, great question. I was actually going to wrap it up, but I'm like, you know what? I want to go over that because I think that's a really uh, a really mm-hmm. important one, right? Yeah, it's well, it's interesting. And if you think about it, it makes sense. So we we did survey data to figure out what's the happiest day of the week. I'll give you one guess what the happiest Friday. Day. Exactly. You yes. nailed it. Yes. Fantastic. And what we also learned is that people seem to get happier and happier the later the day gets. Yeah, they're getting closer to leaving and going home for the weekend. So number one, the best day to ask your boss for a raise is on Fridays. The best time to ask your boss is later in the day. Now, the second, the third question you have to ask is what is your boss's chronotype? Now, how do you tell what your boss's chronotype is? I'm going to teach everybody out there how to tell what your boss's chronotype is. If you get emails at three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, your boss is a lion. Yes, I can guarantee you of this. If your boss makes it in in the morning roughly around the same time everybody else does, they're a bear, okay? If your boss doesn't make it in early but likes to stay late and seems to really energize towards the later part, then your boss is a wolf. And if your boss is just a pain in the ass because they're so (laughs) sleep deprived, there's a high likelihood they're a dolphin. Once you understand what that is, then you know when when they're going to be happier and happier during the day. When are they going to have the most energy? When are they going to be the most influential? When are they going to be the most charismatic? So we know that if you're a lion, you're going to be losing energy by two o'clock in the afternoon. So if your boss is a lion, don't go to your boss at two o'clock in the afternoon when they're running out of energy and talk to them about a raise. If they're a lion, hit them when they walk through the door with a a fresh cup of coffee or a green drink or something. Say, hey, I'd love to go for a walk with you and talk, talk a little bit about my future. Well, a lion's going to love that because I'm like, hey, this somebody's up early. They're here with me. Let's talk. Yeah. But if they're a bear, they don't want to talk to you in the first walk through the door. Right. They want to deal with their email and do this. So, so maybe lunchtime, right? Go to a, go to them around eleven o'clock. Say, hey, could you want to go grab a snack or a bite? I'd love to talk with you more about my career here. They're going to be on board. They're going to be focused. That's again Friday, happy day, middle of the day, timing of the day. Now, for a, if your boss is a wolf, go to happy hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, let's let's go get a drink. Right. Because wolves like to do that. Yes. We're high risk takers. We like to party. We like to be in social situations. Right. So put them in that. Put your boss in the situation that's most comfortable to them because you're going to ask them for something that they may or may may not want to give you. No, I love that. Okay. And then the other thing that we didn't talk about and I was going to say it and we got again a little (laughs) bit derailed was I I think I am too. what if you're like a cusp, like you're between mm-hmm. two, that would happen a lot. So I there are imagine. hybrids we've right. discovered. So with having 2 million people take the quiz, yeah. we've discovered quite a bit. So it turns out that there are early bears yeah. and there are late bears. Okay. So there are people who fall into that bear category in the middle, but actually they prefer to wake up early or they prefer to stay up late. Okay. So we've actually started to learn that we're, we're getting more and more categories. And to be fair, I have a new book that's going to be coming out uh, a year from December. Oh, God. And we're looking at, and you're going to love this especially because we're taking the chronotypes and we're putting body types overlay. Oh my gosh, I will love that book. And it's going to be all about movement 
and sleep and energy. Okay, well you So I can't wait to come back and talk to you about it then? I was gonna say you have to come back in a year from now, but in the meantime, you could pick anyone- can, I, can we hang out before that? Cause I kind of like hanging out with you. Uh, abs of course, I told you, you could, right. you could be my co-host. I love <laughs> it. Uh, right now, his newest book is called The Power of When, and his name is Dr. Michael Bruce. He is the sleep doctor and always has so much valuable information that just covers the spectrum of not just sleep, but um, how every how basically how sleep can not just practical ways you can get better sleep, but how it can kind of help you in so many other areas of your life. So this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming Thanks, back Jason. on. I appreciate it. I mean, it. come on, habits and hustle. Where else would I be? <laughs> I don't know exactly. Thank you so much. And where where can people find more about you if they want to like I'm learn more? Super easy to find. You can find me at www.thesleepdoctor.com. And if you want to learn about your chronotype, go to Chrono yeah. Quiz. Com, and I have a podcast, Sleep Success with Dr. Michael Bruce. Absolutely. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Bye. Sweet Everybody. dreams. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast. Powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.